Incoming transmission from the Babylon Project. esteemed gentle beings to the first shadow cyclical edition of the Babbies. We are here live at the Major Barrett Memorial Theatre here on Mars to give our awards for the first three seasons of Babylon 5. I am your guest host, Lando Malari, esteemed ambassador from the glorious Centauri Republic. And I am Justin, and along uh, with us tonight are my co-hosts Jude and Anna. Jude, Anna, how you doing? Uh... I'm doing very well. I mean, not really. Uh, I worked 75 hours last week, but I'm glad to be here talking trash about Babylon 5. And I seem to have mostly recovered from my head injury, so that's good. (laughs) So we've got uh, (laughs) burnout and concussions. And uh, what's wrong with you, Justin? Let's let's go three for three. Uh, What's wrong with me this week? Um, I don't know. I just, I'm I'm a little, I, I got a little bit of heat exhaustion. I had to paint a chicken coop on Sunday. I'm sorry. Like 100 degree weather. (laughs) I I misheard that. I thought you said pee in a chicken coop and I was real confused for a second. (laughs) I also heard that. Paint a chicken coop. (laughs) Okay. Well, that's also bad. Um, (laughs) I sort of wish it was the first one, but we'll we'll go with the second one. That's fine. My my advice to my my parents who I love, I, I know they don't listen to this podcast, but I love them, but don't put up Christmas lights on your chicken coop before you paint it. Because somebody had to spend an hour pulling staples out of a chicken coop so that we didn't paint over the fucking Christmas lights. Yeah. <laughs> and then it got hot. But we are all we are all dressed in our um Void Merchant one-shot t-shirts tonight, so we are appropriately classy. But we also have a guest this evening. Possibly for the first time actually on the show is an actual recorded voice because somebody keeps slipping into our recording sessions and not recording themselves even when they make jokes. Uh, please welcome to the show, Aaron, a.k.a. Zathras. Hello, I'm here. I refuse to acknowledge any uh, remarks addressed to Zathras unless they are addressed to Zathras. Just putting that out there at the top. Aaron, welcome to the show. Um, how are I'm you? I'm sorry, doing? who? Zathras, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Zathras is thank you present. <laughs> that sounds very philosophical. That sounds very Zathras. Zathras talks to ceilings. Zathras talks to floor. All right. So tonight we are here at the red carpet and in the uh, Major Barrett Memorial Theater to. We're having an award show because, frankly, we had a week in between. Ours finishing at season three and doing a bunch of filler episodes because we were taking a break before doing season four. So we decided to do one more filler episode. Yeah, we decided to do one more filler episode and an award show became this. <laughs> so the format we are going to be using for this is we have a number of categories of awards. None of them are anything like best episode, best character, because that's stupid. We don't do that here. Um, instead, it is the culmination of all of our memes from the first three seasons. 
uh, we will present them for Zathras, and Zathras will judge which one is is worthy enough to be incinerated. <laughs> Wait, hold on. I'm confused about the judging requirements now. Um, you're you're picking the you're picking the one that best fits the ca- fits the category, and we're going but, to incinerate it. Yeah, it's it, it's best that we let the winner be free of this mortal coil. It's better for them. Mm. Uh, for the record, uh, even if it wins, I will still hate Franklin and dunk on his lack of medical or sexual ethics. We're not retiring these memes. We're just letting that incarnation of it just like burn metaphorically for a little bit. Sure. So for our first category, we will take it away to our uh, host for this evening, Ambassador Malari. Take us away. Thank you. Thank you. Ah, for our first category here, we have one of my favorite selections. Best meal production. <sighs> Unfortunately, our first... Uh, uh, I'm going to retake that. Uh, unfortunately, our first entrance into it is a little bit crass. We have Jakar's Roast Beast. We have the Minbari Flarn Ritual. Those little blue jello cubes the Earthers eat. No, that's you, that's you, Londo. You eat the blue jello cubes. Yeah. Oh, am I getting that wrong? Okay. The blue jello cubes that the glorious Minbari uh, cuisine uh, depicts. Centauri. Centauri. <laughs> oh, God. It's been a long night. This might have been a mistake. <laughs> the Ugh. blue jello cubes that are a integral part of Centauri cuisine. The, does that word? Bagna. Kauda and the uh, Swedish meatballs. Okay, that that's I. There are some there are some weird other foods here. But let uh, we'll take this back to our uh, judges uh, for deliberation. So I have one point of cl- clarification here. When we're talking about ritual Mimbari food, are we talking about the flarn, or are we talking about fruit snacks? I, I was talking about the. One where Sheridan falls asleep a few times. Okay. Oh, that's the flard. Okay. Yeah, that's the flard. I would propose a specific format for this episode in which we all know I'm right, and it's Jakar's Roast Beast, and you all tell me why you think you might be right, and I tell you why you're wrong. Because I can't fathom <laughs> anyone approaching Jakar's magnificent song and uh, an actual goddamn roast beast head. And escaping little critters for uh, humor, charm, or charisma. And also potential deliciousness. From what I understand, after hours under the hot studio lights, that was uh Yeah. Bad. Apparently the apparently the, the head was an actual pig's head that they had roasted and it had been sitting on the set for so long, it apparently was so ripe that everybody was gagging and yet <laughs> Andreas Katzelis kept going in for the bite after every take. The other fun thing about this scene is this is one of the rare occurrences of uh, improvisation on the show. Uh, When Jakar goes for one of the crawfish that is crawling away and he says, get back here uh, or something like that. Uh, That was not in the script, but it was legitimately crawling off the plate. And so he just grabbed it and like pushed it back. The song also. So there's this is fun. Fun fact. Uh, Lurker's Guide is wrong. Lurker's Guide attributes that song to the uh, music director for the show. It's not. According to JMS's own uh, commentary on this episode, 
it was pure Jakar. It was pure Andreas Katsalas who just made up this dumb little song f- for the, the episode and had been singing it like all day. And so when he got on set, he just started just started singing it because he's that that fucking cool. So that's a lovely story. I love that. Yeah. So yeah. That's good. Come at me with why your dumb blue food cubes are are worthy of this award. Because they look delicious. Okay, great. So does a roast beast head. Do you have any <laughs> cute anecdotes about those blue food cubes? I, I don't think I have cute anecdotes about them, but okay. they are blue, which is very that's that's really up there in my list of things that make a food look cool. All right. Also, I I do I do very much like fancy Jello. I realize that that is um, perhaps a seems to be contradiction in terms, but I promise you it is not. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's all sorts of 1950s cookbooks that would have you believe that it is fancy. Yeah, I was gonna <laughs> say Jello. If we ever have like a, a a podcast dinner, I'll I'll bring some ghastly 1950s jello-based meal with pork tuna jello shrimp pork shrimp (laughs) mayo and tomato jelly all in one jello jello mold and then you use and then you use like lemon jello to give it a zest yeah right (laughs) the worst of those this is a total tangent but the worst of those i've ever seen was uh bananas wrapped in ham lightly roasted with a with a nice uh, mustard based sauce across the top. Yeah, that sounds like a banana na 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 surprise to me. It does, yeah. yeah. So for my for my my entrant into this, I will say that the Swedish meatballs. I personally am attracted to those because of the convergent food evolution. Mm-hmm. Yes, that is a good theory, and it has Jakar associated with it. So I would yeah. be content with that taking second place. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm personally a big fan of the Swedish meatballs, mostly because like I, I have very fond memories of them, and the fact that like all aliens have developed Swedish meatballs is a is a very nice like cultural anthropological thing. Yeah, I, yeah. I would I would agree with that. I put in banya kauda because it is really really legitimately delicious and sinfully good. The problem, and so it's also the food that I remembered most from my first re- my first watch of the show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the problem is that it's associated with well. Garibaldi. Yeah. yeah. And not only Garibaldi, but also Franklin. Yeah. It's it's one of their date night foods. So, <sighs> well, that uh, ruins it. No, yeah. So imagine the two of them, their fingertips covered with garlicky <laughs> with olive oil from their meal. Garlicky olive oil, yeah. All chi- olive oil all over each other as they take it from the dinner table to, to the, the bedchamber. <laughs> oh, no. Look, the thing, yeah. that I know about the, the thing that I know about garlic on dates is that you both need to eat it. There's a joke there. That's fair. But I'm not fair. I'm not gonna take the bat off my shoulder. I'm gonna let that I'm gonna take that one as a strike and move on. <laughs> um. I the, the the fondest memory I have of the Banyakauda, other than like it being legitimately seeming really delicious, is Delen's line of like Mr. Garibaldi seems very excited for the new delegation. I hear they're from Banyakauda. Yes. With that impeccable <laughs> Miraferlin diction on it. Yeah. All right. Uh, Zathras, you are the person we have delegated with actually picking a winner. So who does the babby go to? <laughs> oh, boy. Well, obviously, it, it has to be the cockroaches that, that Zathras is eating uh, down on what's it called? The uh, the the planet. Um, no, it, it's, it's Jakar's roast beast, obviously. Okay. <laughs> Good choice. 
<laughs> There's no question about it. The, so the song alone, which Zathos will put underneath, <laughs> swelling underneath as, as Jakar takes the stage for this award, um, will we'll go in. Nice. All right. Um, next for our next category, um, I am going to just do this in my regular voice now because there's <laughs> otherwise we're going to be here all night. Yeah. We have most unusual station feature. Not like you can rationalize it. Uh, like oh, I can rationalize this within the narrative. It's just like no. At first glance, it's weird. The first we have is the zero G monorail. Uh, the second is. The fact that there is no fucking coffee on this station. That's that's a war crime. Yeah, yeah that's a war yeah. crime. Um, the third are the batting cages. <laughs> why would somebody... And his, and his personal hill to die yes, on. Yes, why Why would somebody do batting practice in rotational gravity? Just just why? The last is a, is the drink safe. I'm, I'm, I'm going to... Uh, have a motion to strike drink safe from this list. I would argue that every ambassadorial quarter has a safe in it for documents, <laughs> like for state it's, secrets and things like, like a that. I see where you're going here. Yeah. Triluminary. It's just that Londo, who could give, who is a, you know, inveterate alcoholic and degenerate, chooses <laughs> to use the safe that is supposed to be used for state secrets and unlabeled crystals that you could not possibly keep track of. <laughs> Instead, he puts booze in it. But the finest Bivari. Yeah. Doesn't he have a blackmail folder anyway? <laughs> he yes. does, but it's on an unlabeled USB drive. Yeah, it's it's on a, <laughs> an unlabeled USB drive. Uh, my personal vote would be no coffee because A, I refuse to believe humans will go anywhere in space or time without coffee. B, we've got current cups now. We instant can, we can coffee. Yeah, we've got fucking. You can get instant coffee like three different ways. And C, this isn't. It's not like it's a. It's a goddamn space shuttle or a capsule or something like that. It's a big yeah. fucking space. Like and the coffee, biggest complaint with coffee is it's yeah it takes a fair amount of space to grow the plants right. And it might just be that the environment isn't right for it because if I remember right, you've got to. It's got to be hot and moist to make coffee. We'll just put it in, like, brown sector or something. I, d I, I don't believe that there's any reason why, A, you can't grow it. But e let's assume that that's true. B, you can't ship it. They can get eggs. They can get chickens. No, they can't get eggs. They can't get eggs. Marcus gets fucking eggs out there. But that's, oh, oh, but that's because Marcus is special. I'm well, sure that Marcus could get coffee, too. I'm sure he could. But that's my point. And C, the fucking Navy runs on coffee. Mm -hmm. And if you think that the U.S. military is going to go into, is going to go anywhere without coffee, you're full of shit. I know a few <laughs> because you haven't people had in the coffee. military. Yes, because you haven't had enough coffee. My 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 argument finally is that humanity will not be separated from coffee for uh, anything unless we literally wreck our ecosystem so completely that it is impossible to grow it. Or produce anything that tastes anything like it. We forget what it tastes like, and we all end up drinking tea like a bunch of chumps. Not that I don't love tea, but... I mean, who knows? It could be that we transcend our physical bodies and thus lose the need for coffee. Okay, I'll put the Jason Ironheart music there. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we'll just re reincorporate to drink our morning cup and then, like, uh, reascend. All I'm mm -hmm. saying is if I am an inc incorporeal being, 
that means that I can make incorporeal coffee and enjoy mm -hmm. any cup of coffee I've ever enjoyed in my incorporeal form. Can you imagine Daniel Jackson like getting tossed into his naked ass after he's fucked over the agents another time? Just going up for a cup of coffee then reascending? <laughs> I'm pretty sure that happened. Pretty sure that was an episode plot. I, I mean, there was the whole diner at the end of the universe. The, the 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 spinal train though just makes like so little sense. Yeah, I actually, well, it's one of those things I actually where, disagree. Like, I think it makes perfect sense if you're going to put public transportation on a on like across a station like that. Like, I get that you would put one down the middle, mm -hmm. and if you're a science fiction writer who can't be fucked to acknowledge that you have put like 87 Tolkien references into your work. Why would you be, why would you bother to look up rotational gravity? Like, why would you, why would you, I mean, that would be entirely too much work for you uh, and your bad haircut and your hatred of your hometown, San Diego. So why it makes entirely perfect sense to me that you would just stick a, a train right down the middle. It goes from the front to the back. Like that's Yeah, I mean from an energy efficiency standpoint, it definitely makes sense. It's just like interfacing it with accessibility. Yeah. The the interfacing with it has got to be awful. I mean, like do you all sort of put on magnetic slippers or something? Or like hold on to a strap? I prefer to think it's pneumatic tubes. Well, right, but like they're standing in it. Yeah. Yeah. Like that they, they don't like float around in it. Like they all stand on and their hair stays where it is. And when a bomb goes off, they fall. Very slowly. Well, well, they get pushed out. Yeah, the bomb blows them out, blows him out. And they say that he's not falling very fast. It's just that the, the, the station is spinning very quickly. Yes. So he'll get, he'll get <laughs> smeared like a bug against your windshield. The bug's just cruising at its normal speed, but the windshield's moving, <laughs> you know, 85 and a 60 because you're trying to get down to Disneyland and you, you're in a hurry. I'm so I'm so glad that you remembered all of this, Jude. This makes me happy. It makes me feel valued and listened to. <laughs> all right, Zathras. Okay, so are we skipping the batting cages just because it's silly? The batting cages are just so stupid, and they're just there to like. I mean, the, have a bit. They only show up in one episode, and they're a but the fact that like, okay, the fact that it's like a batting cage and not like. A basketball hoop or something, like there's got there's enough of a, like a little like we're not talking about like we're not like fucking around with like showing water pouring in a different direction because of the rotational gravity. <laughs> like just put a basketball court up, put a hoop up. That's fine. God, can you imagine trying to shoot a basket and like <laughs> like we're not we don't think we don't think about it unless it means anything for the plot. But when you put a batting cage there and you have stuff being launched at, like, sufficient velocity and angles, then you have to start questioning everything. See, I wanted to see a The, the baseballs are just going to pelt into that goddamn train. Yeah, exactly. I, would, yeah. I, I feel like the more realistic thing would have been, like, a driving range where the ball gets out there and it just starts doing, like, wobbly corkscrews out into the distance. Like, that would have been legitimately cool, but instead we get... Uh, Sheridan's dubious foul ball. Uh, batting form. Foul ball. <laughs> the yeah. version of Dude Perfect videos are probably very specific. That's a real niche reference, <laughs> man. Uh, 
there there's a very specific corner of YouTube uh, of our audience that is going to be like, yeah, totally. And the other the rest of them are going to be like, I'm sorry, what? Well, we better <laughs> leave it unexplained then. Yeah. Um, well, not everybody has a, 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 a preteen, my friend. <laughs> yeah. So Okay. So Zathras believes that the fact that there is no coffee on the station is, in fact, a worse war crime than any of the pre- ones previously discussed. Uh, and Zathras is going to go back to drinking his Ractigino made of dirt and bugs. <laughs> two for two. <laughs> nice. All right. All right. Oh, this is a good category. category. This is a good Hold category. On. I wrote this one, which you may guess. All right. So our next category is... Most sexual tension. Um, I'd like to read these, if I may, since this is my yes. category. Uh, our first entry is Sheridan and his handsome Narn bodyguard, whose name I, I don't remember because it's not important. Talon. It's Talon. Talon. God, that's so extra. Fuck, I love it. <laughs> With his uh, he sounds like a fucking dragon rider's apartment. He I mean. does. He does. Yes, he does. <laughs> Wait, are the Nord just fucking dragon riders apartment names? Yeah, they kind of Fuck. are. Oh no. <laughs> There's some stuff. Fuck. There's a whole road we can go down here, but we're gonna have to save it for later. But I'm, I'm just wondering if maybe, like, we found another thing. Yeah. Who? grammatically necessary apostrophes. Coming in at number two, we have Londo and his dueling partner, Urza, uh, from their sword club. (laughs) Uh, Franklin and Garibaldi. Uh, I feel like I don't really need to uh, make any jokes or prefaces there. If you were a Listener of this podcast of any length at all, you know my thoughts and feelings about both of those gentlemen, uh, and how the only redeeming thing about either one of them is their strange and yet tender love for each other. Uh, (laughs) And finally, the only right answer on this list, uh, literally fucking everyone and the single most charismatic being to ever live in the universe, Chikar. All right. So first of all, I would like to approach the rest of the uh, re- the rest of the judges and Zathras with an appropriate motion. Uh, it is June first. It is the first day of Pride, and as the uh, as as one of the queer people in this cast, I will I would like to institute uh, under the uh, rule of no fucking cops at Pride that uh, Franklin and Garibaldi be disqualified. Seconded. Motion carried. Excellent. That's right. You can't. Nobody will. You don't get to win Garibaldi. You don't get to win anything in this show. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to make you fucking Martin Scorsese. (laughs) I I think I might go go with Sheridan and the Narn bodyguard. Just because that really, that scene was so sweet. That scene, it's... I love that. I love that scene so much. They get the whole episode of... They get the whole hurt. Like, they... What this is, is this is just... That, between their appearance in All Alone in the Dark and later in season three, this is just two parts of a hurt comfort fic. Um, <laughs> you're you're right. Oh man, 
Here's the thing about this category. Now that we have disqualified Franklin and Garibaldi, uh, there are no losers here. There, uh, there is yeah, no way. There, there is no, no, there is no wrong answer in this category. There are marginally more right categories. That would be Chikar, but there are no wrong answers in this. But I will say that I do think that that scene with Sheridan and Talon at the bar is the most purely ship launching scene in this entire show we've seen so far. There's, there are scenes where you're like, oh, there are definitely supposed to be chemistry between these characters, like everything with Ivanova and Talia. And then there is shit where the, the, the show is obviously just fucking making the show. And yet here's a big old ship getting launched to sea. And that is what that scene was like. Why did they have that bizarre chemistry? No one knows. Bruce Broxlitner, maybe. But other than him and whoever was underneath that that Narn stuff, uh, no one knows what happened to, to put that chemistry there. But it's just so good. And it's so pure. It's just perfect. And the dude, like, offers to, like, pledge himself as, like, Sheridan's bodyguard. Yeah. Yeah. And let me tell you, let me tell you, that's the good shit right there. Yeah. I, I feel like they were... I feel like they were aiming for like, you know, these are these are two dudes who have like been through some stuff together and like are reuniting and and but there's this like layer of tenderness to it. Yeah, that's a really good way of putting it. Yeah. I I think it's like it's sort of like the opposite of Okay, it's sort of like on the opposite end of the spectrum where it comes to being the same thing as like anything Rob Liefeld does. <laughs> Where like can't wait Rob to see Leifeld where you're going with this. Is like so aggressively masculine that it just like loops back into being homoerotic. That okay. like just that scene is like so tender and like earnest that it loops on for being like yeah, two guys who have shared shared trauma together, and it's like oh no, this is just this is just kiss buddies. Yeah, kiss please. I I wasn't sure you were gonna stick that landing. But you got there. Uh, I'm I'm impressed and proud I of you. I slammed those air brakes and I <laughs> I landed that bomber. <laughs> oh god! In, in in the immortal words of uh, Liefeld's response to Pretty and City on Twitter, does anybody care? <laughs> I care. <laughs> oh man. Uh, yeah. Okay, Zathras. This is an impossible choice. Uh, I feel though that like much as Jakar, I don't know Jakar. That's more of a through line of the entire thing, so much so that it's like a pulse of the universe. And you all went on at length multiple times about Sheridan and Talon, so I think that one has to be it. Nice. On a high five. Yes. High five. Excellent choice. I'm doing this one again. This is I. I feel like these these two were my contribution, so I, I would like to do this one as well. I, I do like though that out of all of the ones that we've listed, the only actual canon relationship is the was the first one between the last category and this one the only the only canon relationship is is the first one you listed on the on this category yeah yeah and it should be here we should have listed talia and avada under say under most but no because well, that's, but that's too, canon that, yeah and that hurts yeah. fair fair okay we're just doing fair and it's not okay. sexual it, and it, is it still sexual tension once it's like released Good point. Mm. No, by that logic, like it would just be Sheridan and Talon on the list. So, in counterpart 
to most sexual tension, we obviously must have least sexual tension. And starting us off on the list is what is arguably the obvious winner right out of the gate. (laughs) But we'll have some dark horse entries to follow it up. Commander Sinclair and his mannequin in crime, (laughs) Catherine Sakai. Uh, (laughs) Followed by Mr. Garibaldi and any female. Uh, Point of issue. Um, I would like to, uh, again, this is June. No cops at Pride. Uh, I request disqualification. Uh, sure. Excellent. <laughs> That's fine by me. Uh, number three on the list is Franklin and medical ethics. And that one chair and that one table. Are we talking about like the rented conference room table? It doesn't matter. Just any one chair and any one table. I think, I think oh, I'm okay. going to go with, if we're going to go with that one chair and that one table, I think it's got to be like the lone chair and table in Morton's room. Where, like, it's yeah. otherwise been stripped bare, and there's just one chair, one table. Yeah, but there's a, isn't there, couldn't you hypothesize there's a weird kind of, like, they've left us alone, what could happen next kind of thing going on there? No, I think it's, like, the, we're the like, alone now. like, the, I think they've got more of a, like, oh, no, we're locked in here together energy. I'm just saying that if you compare that energy to any scene with... Sinclair and Sakai, I can come up with more to do with the chair and the and the table than I can with with Sinclair and Sakai. <laughs> They're also both inanimate objects. What was the descriptor you used for them? Two wolves or something? Two two people, both raised by wolves, <laughs> who have never before seen another human being, made to act against each other, reacting as if they had never seen another another human being. There, uh, I believe I also <laughs> described it as all the sexual tension of, of a salami sandwich. Um, I, hey, hey, I had a lot to say. At least a salami could be made for a joke. Yeah. Oh. Uh, I, I had a lot to say about that. But yes, they are literally like like wolf people, <laughs> savages. That's Yeah, no, I'm okay with using savages for like someone who has literally never seen another human being raised by wolves. More more animal than man. If you took two of those people, <laughs> trained them to parrot the words with a no understanding of what noises they were making and put them in those scenes, they would have more tension and chemistry than Sakai and Sinclair do. I And I, 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 I want to be very clear here. I love the guy that plays Sinclair and I, I think the woman who plays Sakai is very good as long as she's not on screen with Sinclair. It's just the two of them together could not be more dull. Yeah. I would I would rather watch paint dry than the two of them not flirt, but recite lines in which other people saying them might be construed as flirting. <laughs> but for them is simply noises with the, with the that weird squeaky porno doors music make. in the background too. Yes, yes, with the god awful porno music. As if mocking, mocking them. Ugh. Like people are like, oh yeah, Babylon 5 is good music. And I'm like episode five, I get slapped in the face of that dick. Yeah. <laughs> What's funny is it I'm does. Like, it does have good music. Just not in season one. Just not in, yeah. yeah. But then also, you know, the, the, 
softcore sci-fi space porn music in that episode. Yeah, no, it's like, I'm like, excuse you, I have standards. I, I have been, I'm used to Bear McCreary. I don't know what this is. Yeah, you know what it sounds like to me? You know what it sounds like to me? It sounds like the opening to a Eurovision song for a very small former <laughs> Soviet country that is about to bust out an aggressive techno ballad. Yeah. The the um with a lot of hip thrusting. They stole it off the MIDI chip on their Casio. Yeah. There yeah. there is one oh. use of the uh the strange porno music that I feel really, really hit the mark, which was that uh shirtless Sheridan scene when he's coming out of the shower. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was good. I like that one. And you've that got the good. porno music and like the shower running <laughs> and you're like, oh, it's going to be Ivanova stepping out. And nope, it's Sheridan. Yeah, I like that. That was a good, good. fake out. That was that was very well done. I, I, I appreciated that very much. Which also provides more is- more evidence that Garibaldi is the only man who does not wax his chest on the station. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. I mean, you got to go fast in space, right? <laughs> Aerodynamics. We'll get to that one later. Um, Zaphyrus, we uh-huh. need your decision. I mean, all of these other ones feel like joke entries because clearly it's Sinclair and Sakai. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> a couple of these, we've teed them up for you. Just a few. Yeah. Anna, can you take the next one? <laughs> sure. We can't let you have this <laughs> yeah, one. Yeah, because... I. We- so um, I'm, I'm muting Jude's track for the duration of this one. Yeah. So we have um, uh, written by written by th- this category hoops written by somebody who listeners might be able to guess. Most appalling breach of medical ethics by a doctor with dubious sexual ethics. Oh, this we is going to be good. I'm dying to hear what this could be. Yeah, I'm on the a, edge of my a seat. Mystery, Jude. You've never. This is going to be a race. This, this is going to be a race. So we have lots of competition in this category. We have Franklin breaking the mind of a man. We have Franklin performing surgery on a patient against parental request, which I am going to veto because that episode doesn't exist. Okay, fair enough. Oh man, what could happen? We have Franklin pursuing a sexual relationship with a patient. Parentheses first time. Mm. We have Franklin pursuing a sexual relationship with a patient. Parentheses. Second time. A and second we have time. Franklin pursuing a sexual relationship with a patient. Parentheses. Third time. Three times. What? Yes. Contrary to like all possible <laughs> belief here, I'm actually going to go with the first one. No, I. Franklin. If I were. Okay, here's my thing. There's no wrong answers in this category. Uh, Franklin is a monster and that's what this category establishes. But I actually do agree with you that because the category is not most appalling breach of medical and sexual ethics by a doctor with dubious sexual ethics, because it is specific to medical ethics. <laughs> yes. I, I am a hundred percent there with you that, uh, breaking the mind of a man, the episode late delivery from Avalon. Thank you. The in late delivery from Avalon, the absolutely careless and egregious way in which he just is like not a psychiatrist psychologist therapist but i'm gonna go tinker with this poor man's brain and just you know like an elephant in the china shop just stomp around until he fucking falls over and drools that seems fine i'm qualified to do that 
Yes, if by qualified you mean a regular deliverer of malpractice, then sure. Yes, absolutely. And and that he's actively he's also actively disregarding Marcus, who's like, pal, you, do you want to think about this? Is this really yeah. the right strategy? Yeah, usually when they depict uh, Franklin committing gross acts of medical malpractice, it's presented as though he's a a renegade doctor that's willing to cut some corners and do what it takes to do the right thing. And then we as the audience are like, Jesus, what is he doing? But the show is trying to make you think that he might be a good guy, just willing to, a little bit of a rebel. But in this episode. Yeah, there's the Dr. House zones. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's not House. He's, he's, you know, Jack the Ripper. I mean, House is also out. Oh, we're talking about this with somebody. I do think that like our, our understanding of medical ethics has changed in the last 25 years. Just a bit. Because this was coming out at the same time that ER was coming out at. <laughs> mm-hmm. And like, this is basically what was going on in ER at the time. That's... I mean, that is not an excuse. It's just our public perception of this was very different in 1997. Yeah. Especially, no, it- especially the the you know, sexual relationship with a patient thing that was <laughs> on a lot of... That was like our bread and butter for like 20 years of television. Uh, Thank yeah, you. I'm sure there's an entire page of it on TV tropes. Be that as it may, uh, I'm going to acknowledge that, comma. It's still bad. <laughs> yeah. Not only is it bad in our to our point of view, and it is, is real bad, the ways in which Franklin pursues those relationships is gross. Like... None of those relationships are the power dynamic in those relationships is all fucky and gross. It's not just that he's like, oh, you're a patient and we happen to meet in a hospital. Like, in good example in Scrubs, JD fucks a whole bunch of patients or people that he meets in the hospital. And you know what? He comes across like a guy that probably needs to grow up a little bit, but not like a sexual predator. Yeah. You know who does come across like a sexual predator? Stephen Franklin. Well, in particular, JD might fuck people who he meets at the hospital, or he might fuck people who were patients, but after that, they cease to be patients. Franklin is fucking people while they are his patient. Yeah, and he's disregarding the power differential that that implies. Yeah. He's like perfectly comfortable to be like, well, you're my patient, might as well bone down. And I, I think that we we have determined that Babylon Five does not is not very aware of power dynamics and relationships. Yeah, what do you mean? Uh, Say the, se- we're the seven to, or eight we're gonna... men that come to the station who have had past relationships with their uh mentees, students, uh young women who are under their power. Uh yeah, no, it's a thing on this show. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, and I think this is where, you know, the the best relationships on the show definitely do not fall into that category. So, that, like, there's no weird power dynamic stuff between Sheridan and Delenn, say, other than that she is far yeah. more of a badass than he is. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, Delenn is the girl boss gaslight gatekeep uh, queen. Yeah. But that's about it. Yeah, no, the... The relationships in the show that 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 work are very much cases of not that not that way. So, yeah, yeah. All right, I think we've exhausted this topic. Zathras, we're going to toss this to you for your decision. Thank you. Sorry, Zathras got distracted by wondering if there was a JD gender slash uh, tag on Ao3. <laughs> I am going to end this call now. Is there? 
Yes, and it's very disturbing, and Zathras regrets looking at it. <laughs> uh, uh, so, um, um, it's just Franklin, all Franklin. This okay. is Franklin. A rare multi-category win. Who? No, you know what? It's a it's a dark horse entry. It's whoever gave Franklin a medical license to begin with. <laughs> oh. Uh, so, um, Anna, if you want to do our next category, <laughs> sure, sure. We have uh, we have uh, very very interesting contenders here. Um, the category is most dicks. First, God, Londo. I'm so good at this. <laughs> Next, Veer. Next, the Centauri homeworld. And finally, a Garibaldi family reunion. So proud of this category. Oh, man. Does Londo want to weigh in on this? I only have the, the normal amount of genitalia as any Centauri uh, who is born who, who, uh, cho- who is born or chooses to have such uh, parts. Okay, I actually am going to take this opportunity to point out that uh, JMS apparently did not take any uh, biology classes beyond like 8th grade, ninth grade. <laughs> yes, let's talk about this. Because here's my, here's my beef. What's my beef? What's my beef? beef. Here's my beef. It's what's for dinner. <clears throat> Flarn, it's what's for dinner. According to the... Canon sources, canon sources, I double-checked on this. This isn't some RPG book horse shit. According to canon sources, the the male Centauri genitalia emerge from the sides of the back and wrap around the front when they're not in use. Okay? Sides of the back. The female orifices are on either side of the spine across across the hip bones. Now, why is that fucking weird? I don't know. Um, because think about this. The way that in every species that has male and female members, the way that cell division works, the way that sexual the, the development of sexual organs works is you get one thing and at some point a switch gets flipped and the same base units come off of off of that sort of branch off right listeners i wish you could see the 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 gestures and uh demonstrations that jude is doing yeah i i talk with my hands uh what i'm (laughs) getting at is if you look in earth nature there's not really a lot of examples of a male and female having sexual organs in just random fucking places on the body that don't match up whatsoever See, this is why I think that they they are cephalopoid, because yeah. you know Scott. When Scott was on, he was talking about you know the some of the cephalopoids have the like detachable like. In fact, you know we talked about how Veer. Mm-hmm. It was exactly a Veer move. You know the okay. Here's my sperm of sperm of a packet thing. Bye. You know. Well, yes. So fish are weird, but he, yes. So like fish and cephalopods, they do their own thing, but. What are the fucking odds that you would grow a fucking a, a, a creature that looks so much like a human that you wouldn't know the difference till you went in for the handy, and yet they have such wildly divergent biology? The, 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 the reproductive organs are just like randomly popping up on different parts of the body. It doesn't make any sense. It, biologically speaking, it's horse hockey. Now, if the male 
genitalia came out of the back and wrapped around, and it was the same general spot, just, you know, in these and outies, fine, no complaint. But it's very clear that it's not. That's my com- that's my beef. <laughs> JMS doesn't understand how biology works. I'm done. You know, maybe there maybe there's a species that was influencing de- uh, development of other species, and they really like the way that he- bipedal sort of mammalian ish things looked, and they just worked with whatever they had available. Which in this case, was an octopus. A knuckling feeder. <laughs> yeah, a knuckling yes. feeder. Okay, so like, like, let's just domesticate that baby. <laughs> I'm going to talk about Jude's other favorite thing, which is ducks. No, 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 no. Oh, no. no let's not talk about no. ducks. Oh my god. No, we we're going to blow. We are going to completely blow our rating if we start talking about ducks. We're already explicit, dude. Um, but I am going to say let's not talk about ducks. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm putting up the X here. X, putting up the X, X card received. Well, so so I'm going to say that. Veer definitely shouldn't be the winner because Londo clearly has more dicks than Veer because Londo is a dick. Yeah, he's got yeah. seven. Six of his own and he's one big one. And meanwhile, there's the Garibaldi family reunion, which we established in grade 17 that just all Garibaldis are bastards. Yeah. Yeah. I'm. This is one of those times where I don't know. This is the first category, I think, where I think it's been a, a legitimate toss-up. It could go any way. I think with the exception of it not being Veer... I don't think there's a definitive answer here. So I'm curious to see which way Zathras is going to go. I would say my my vote would be for the Centauri homeworld because not only do they have all the individual dicks, but like as a culture, they're very dickish. Yeah. No, I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm on board with that. Uh, yeah. The question is, do you believe that the Centauri homeworld in aggregate is worse than Garibaldi's family tree? Garibaldi's family tree hasn't yet dropped rocks on a civilized world. You don't know that. Fair. You don't know how much genocide's in his family tree. Also, isn't all of his family dead? Yeah, I was about to ask about that. All right. Hasn't yes. most haven't they all died on Mars or something? Well, it could be it could be a family reunion in hell. I don't know. <laughs> Zathras Zathras says Centauri Homeworld. Been... Moving on. All right. So our next category here is our worst random station visitor. (laughs) That one female cast member's ex who held a position of of authority over her and used it to pursue a relationship with her that seemed maybe okay at the time, but now she and we are all grossed out by it. Wait, which one? Yes. That's that's all of them. (laughs) Yes. Someone here is going to question whether Sinclair, Sheridan, Delenn, someone is worthy of their position and needs to be relieved of command. Yep. To which we could also say, which one? (laughs) Yeah. Morden. Who keeps letting you through customs, goddammit? (laughs) Well, I I think we learned that. We we learned the answer to that question is that it's, it's apparently one of the pile of dead security dudes that he just keeps recycling the same handful of gems through. He's like, here's here's diamonds, and then I'll shiv you and get diamonds back, and then use the diamonds again. Morden believes in recycling. <laughs> I mean, that's 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 fair. Um, I I was a big fan of the the three different recycling bins: glass in the bottom, then regular or, or then regular paper, and then newspaper on the top. I think and then corpses, and then you put all the cardboard between the. Between the recycling cans or recycling tubs and the garbage can. Mm. Did you know pla- this was my lot Did in you life? Know that plastic recycling's fake. I didn't know that until mm-hmm. recently. 
Yeah. I'm very just, dis- yeah, it was very, it's very uh, sad. So uh, there's also the half corpse robot man. <laughs> yep. Um, Sheridan's sister, the killjoy. And, oh, God damn it, Bester. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. They're, these are all extremely good answers. Yeah, this this is a this was the this was our like best picture category. Yeah, there was just so many options. Um, <laughs> it's just like yeah, I'm sorry. It's just you know, man, not all of them could win this. They're all great entries. Yeah, yeah. There, there's it's just an honor to be nominated. Really. <laughs> oh man, I don't even know who I want to win. Yeah, um, I'm sort of kind of here for just Morden because he's been like the worst. I like we love him, but he's the actual worst. I I'm vouching for Sheridan's sister, the Killjoy, because she's like he's so enthusiastic about his new job, and she's just she's such a jerk to him. Yeah, she's so shitty, and like she Ooh. he was looking forward to seeing her for the first time in like five years. Yeah, and then she's God. like, so I I get that you're really enjoying your shiny new job, but what if we thought about your dead wife instead? I legitimately thought she was a shadow plant. <laughs> Same. No, that's that's absolutely legit. So there's two kinds of worst. There's like, this is fun worst. And there's, fuck you, JMS. Please, like, paper cut yourself into oblivion. Which one is the half-corpse robot man? That's the first one. Uh, <laughs> the half-corpse robot man is just so dumb. I just think it's funny. It's great. Uh, I love him. The, the, first, uh, the first nominee in this category uh, is the second one. And I legitimately, I legitimately hate the first one. And I feel like maybe like we'll we'll let like one actually awful thing not win. <laughs> we'll actually vote. My vote is going to be for something I actually enjoyed instead yeah, of something like, that like I was hating. Worst. Like fun worst. Um, in which case, I think it would probably be. Hmm. I think I feel like I'm torn between the second worst, the second creepiest. Ross Geller looking motherfucker and best. I, it's got to be Bester because the thing about Bester is when he shows up, everybody, it makes everybody's life worse when he shows up on the station. He always seems to win even when he loses. And the episodes he's in are always routinely great. I, yeah. ha- I have a late entry sure. to this category, which is what about murder archaeologist? I need ties in with the half corpse robot man. But wait, what about Walker Smith? That episode. Does- I'm sorry. Um, who? That's a strong contender. <laughs> oh. Um, wow. But, that, but that's, in the, that's in the worst, worst category. Not the. Yeah, that's the, like, that's actually not. Not the fun worst. Yeah, it's not fun worst. Oh, valid. Yikes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm, I, I would, I would say Bester because it's his shit is the episodes he's in are always great. He is legitimately the worst to the sta- to the people on the station when he shows up, uh, but we don't have to suffer along with them, which is rare for this show. Do we want to uh, uh, um, Zathras? I mean, it sounds like Jude has already made the call. So, I mean, but you right. you you're supposed to provide an independent voice. Zathras has no independence. There you go. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So our next category is. Best random station visitor. <laughs> just his face as he's just like, nope. No. Nope. I thought we, we needed to have symmetry. We have Ivanova's rabbi uncle. Arthur, king of the Britons. Uh, Sheridan's Narn boyfriend, Talon. Elric, the space wizard. Uh, the original drawl. 
and also Bester. <laughs> yep. Excellent. All excellent choices. See, I would I would enjoy the symmetry of Bester winning both. I will I will I I will exclude Bester from being the best because uh again, cop. Yeah. <laughs> we can let the cop win one worst something. I do think that for me this is a toss up between Elric and Arthur. Interesting. Mm. I was actually going to say, mm, those are really good, though. I love Talon because he shows up and he's never the main character in an episode. He's always doing a a little bit on the side. Um, and I love that even as a little side character, his his presence is always impactful and wholesome. I love that, like, it, when in, in his first appearance... He he and Sheridan have their little like their little bonding under duress on the alien ship moment, uh, and then they have their little meet cute in the bar, and then he betrays the ambas- the sham new ambassador that he's there. Sham ambassador, maybe sham ambassador. Very nice, but I just like that everywhere he shows up, he is contributing in a small way. He's he's making a difference, but not like the main character. I would say the worst thing about him is he's not, uh, he doesn't maybe necessarily qualify as a random station visitor. He might be there too much to qualify. He's a resident now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Shit. I think I just disqualified him by being enthusiastic yeah, about him. Hmm. Uh, that being the case, uh, I got to go with Arthur King of the Britons. <laughs> so my, my thing for Elric is that the dude gets some of the best monologues of the show and the dude fucking eats the scenery. Yeah. yeah. Like, like this is a dude who knew the assignment. Michael and Sarah is a legend. And I say this as somebody who just watched a uh, Dr. Freeze episode of Batman, in which he's also excellent. Yeah, he's terrific. I I love Elric. I think the only reason I go with Arthur is I, I feel like Elric's kind of a bit in that episode a little bit. Do you know what I mean? Fair. Whereas... Arthur is like doing the heavy emotional lifting in his episode. So he's a random station okay. visitor that like carries it. Whereas Elric is basically just there to make Londo look stupid and say some funny stuff. And help us learn more about Sheridan early on. Yeah. They're both great. There's no wrong answer there, but I, I, I would learn, I would lean towards, uh, I feel like both Ivanova's rabbi uncle and Elric are doing the same thing because they're early on in the show. And they're both there to expose a piece of a character, a piece of a of a character on the station of a regular character mm-hmm. to like they're like they're like a, a a mirror or a sounding board for a, a regular character to develop against. Whereas by the time we get to Arthur, he's a piece of plot. He he's moving the plot forward all on his own. He's a narrative. He has a narrative function all on his own outside of being there for a character to work against. Yeah. I mean, arguably he is there in part to um, give us more about Marcus. Mm. Yeah, but not, it's not his principal thing. Like lots of characters have moments with Arthur. Jakar has a moment. Franklin has a couple of dubious moments. It's much more about this is a man who's on a, who, who has, it's much more a, an idea that he represents and there's lots of characters are responding to that idea. 
Also, I just love that Arthur King of the Britons came to the station. I love yeah. that he knighted Jakar and they both got tanked on Yoohoo. I love that they well, made a very agreeable thump when they hit the floor. God, that episode's so perfect. Ah, so good. Well, Zathras was leaning toward Elric because Zathras loves those techno mages. But no, it, it has to be Arthur, uh, if only for the Delenn scene. And also because Marcus is space British. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure. That's a. I, I love, I love, I like, we talked about this in the Arthur episode, but I do love the thing where it's like, Marcus at the end of it is like, where, where I come from. This man, like this man's, this man's legend has power, and it's the exact sort of shit you hear like a Klingon would say. And I like, and it's just the legend of Kalos. That episode frames British pe- frames British people as alien as Klingons, like, yeah, as Klingons, like Star Trek Return Klingons. <laughs> it's so true. Um, I'm shuffling this around because I'm shuffling the thing around because I want to do one last go around before we get to the the last bit yep. here, and for dunking. So, um, who wants to do best worst episode? Oh, please, episode? please, please. <laughs> yeah. Okay. okay. Uh, our next category is best worst episode. Um, this is a fun category. These are all episodes that various people would consider hot goddamn garbage and refuse to watch on the rewatch. In fact, I believe all of these episodes were skipped by one or more hosts on the rewatch. Uh, we don't have however, the one episode that we both skipped, though. Which one was that? Uh, believers. Oh, because that's just bad. Yeah, that's, that's not the, best worst. That's just that, worst worst. That's just because we, we chose yeah, because fuck that episode. Because there's no redeeming qualities. And that's the thing about these episodes are bad enough to skip, but still have a redeeming quality. Yeah, bad enough to skip, but I could tempt, I could like talk somebody into watching these again. Yeah, for each of these, I'm going to give a reason yeah, why. Yeah, because for each of them, there's a redeeming quality. That when you look at them closer, there's actually something there that maybe you shouldn't skip them. Maybe even though the episode is dubious, uh, there's something there to watch. Uh, for example, my personal favorite, TKO. Uh, racist alien martial arts tournament? No. Our first really rich, good character moments with Ivanova? Absolutely. Hard, hard yes. Thumbs up. Want more of it. Also excellent. Uh, nominee number two, Exogenesis. A ripoff Star Trek plot? No. Bad. Awful. Just just terrible. Uh, the fact that the, that the plot was written for everyone's favorite himbo, Marcus, and that he is absolutely adorable in it is fantastic. And it absolutely redeems that episode. Uh, especially when he has his dumb bit with his extendable staff and talks one of the, uh, the alien-possessed... <laughs> guys into looking into the staff and opening it like a goddamn fucking Laurel and Hardy bit. This is a real stretch for me. Gray 17 is missing. It has good Marcus and Delano. Yeah, but it's like a bottom three episode in the entire show. Fair. We're just, we're but, just, we've got to put it yes, there. We've got to round up the category. This is the, this is the, yeah, um, like the, the Ranger subplot in it is so good, yeah. but, the but the like Garibaldi gets tranked by a ventriloquist dummy subplot. <laughs> yeah, no, this is the this is the green book yeah. of episodes. Fight me. There green book should not have won best picture. No, I'm right there with you. I don't need not gonna get into it. Got a whole thing about Tom Hanks and peeing on things. Um 
Like what? <laughs> the green? No, you're thinking the Green Mile, not the Green Book. Or am I thinking Green Mile and not Green no, Book? You're thinking Green Mile. I'm talking about Green Book. That weird, like friendship solves racism. Oh movie. yeah, that one was bad too. From like two I was years thinking ago. Green. I was yeah. thinking Green Mile, which made me think of the because that's got a scene where Tom Hanks pees. Another one. Tom Hanks has a thing in movies where he pees on things. Like a lot of them, not just a few of them, but like think of, name a Tom Hanks movie. Toy Story. That's not a Tom Hanks movie. Nom, name a Tom Hanks movie. <laughs> Mr. Rogers. Um, big. Big. Yeah, he pees in that movie. <laughs> he's got a movie. He's got a scene where he's running around trying to find a bathroom in a mall. The Sully movie. Sully. I haven't the seen Sully these modern movie. ones, but like think of the classic. Think of these <laughs> classic. The classic Tom Hanks films. He he. Pees in all of them. <laughs> uh, Green Mile is has a whole subplot about the fact that he can't pee. What's the one with the house, the rundown house? He gets into a pissing contest with a statue. Uh, he also has a weird scene in that movie where he's running around the house, grabbing his business like a toddler, like trying to escape an awkward social encounter by like, it's weird. It's strange. A League of Their Own, extended peeing scene. Um, the one where he's cast away. <laughs> Extended peeing scene. I'm just saying Tom Hanks has a little bit of a fetish for that, and he's rich enough that he can get away with doing it on on screen. Anyway. Wait, are, are we still doing a Babylon 5 part? <laughs> this, is, this is going to be good good uh, bonus material for you, Zathras. I can't imagine that's making the final cut. Anyway, Knives. Uh, our fourth? nominee in this category is knives uh i would like to have the swelling of centauri opera in the background here i do already have the clip saved so well there you go uh whose redeeming quality is both centauri opera as you can hear uh unparalleled in babylon 5's musical over i don't know how to pronounce that word i only ever type it so over sure whatever uh and sg1 nostalgia uh, and last but not least, uh, The Long Dark with Dwight Schultz, notable for its Franklin content and also for a delightfully manic performance by Dwight Schultz. So I think that I have two answers for this. The first is like for like serious content is TKO because it's like it's really our first look into like Ivanova as a character and everything. However, that being said, it's exogenesis, you cowards. <laughs> that was about what I expected. The bad plot is actually still fun. Is it though? And there's good himbo is, content. It's is it fun. Though? You get Franklin. You get Franklin and. Uh, I challenge you to rewatch that episode several more times. And when you're on when you're on the far side of having watched it six times, I will challenge you to say that that subplot is still fun. Most things don't stand to be watched six times. <laughs> I would say that this time, watching it again this time, I enjoyed it more than I have in the past because focusing on the specific character moments with Marcus and Franklin, I really enjoyed those moments. But all the alien bug stuff is just bad oh it's so stupid i love uh, it it's just bad uh the only part of that i enjoyed was the fact that it felt very much like jms was trying to be like well i can do this plot better than star trek did and then like losing the thread halfway through 
And then having to make an excuse for lurkers like, oh, I got a head cold and I couldn't finish the episode. So that's why it's terrible. Not because I couldn't do it better than Star I Trek wrote this did. in a fever dream. Yeah. I, I love that I, I love that it just like sort of falls at its face halfway through. I think it's like it's fun and it's bad in a fun way. That's my that's my Fair take enough. on it. It's not just like I want to kill myself, it's bad. I, did you know that there's a symphony by the uh, English alt rock band Muse called Exogenesis? I did. Is uh, it based on the episode? No. I don't care then. If it were based on the episode, I would be excited. I'm going to put a pitch in for The Long Dark um, because I really enjoyed White Schultz in it. Um, we have we have sure. the absolute bonkers. Um, it's like one of the few times where Garibaldi is like portrayed with good, like like at with de- decent redeeming features when he's like, maybe we shouldn't just space all the lurkers because they have like psychological problems because they have PTSD. And it's like, who, like, where's Garibaldi and what did you do to him, strange pod person? Yeah. Uh, Garibaldi, noted spacing enthusiast, all of a sudden being reasonable. What are you, what's going on here? Also the fact that that, that like, you know, shadow monster thing that like feasts upon you while you sleep has like, literally it's like literally one of my deep-seated fears due to watching this episode at a very young age (laughs) and that has stayed with me my entire life that's very good so i'm gonna i'm gonna go with that one i'm surprised that you're not afraid of doctors after watching this episode at a young age (laughs) so so the question is am i am i afraid of interacting with doctors or am i afraid of am i afraid of going to the doctor the answer to one of those is yes, and the answer to one of those is no. Interesting. I mean, I inter- I, I work with doctors, like, every day. Hmm. Okay, so I'm not entirely wrong. Zathras, yep. let's hit us, hit us with a decision. I have no idea. <laughs> I choose to believe that Exogenesis in my heart is the best first episode. Uh... I also enjoy the just completely god-awful swordplay in Knives. That is fun. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Because, and it's it's not like the choreo team for the show doesn't know how to write sword fights. No, I think, and I think you're absolutely right. They 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 are certainly capable of it. They just wrote they, a bad sword fight on purpose. No, yeah, you I, know what? It, it's Knives because of the Satari opera and because of the garbage swordplay. And because of all of the uh, fan ideas that it has inspired in us about what Centauri dueling clubs are. <laughs> they certainly aren't Excellent. learning okay. how to use a sword. Does not involve learning how to use a sword, for sure. No, no. it's uh, Okay, so we have our, this is our second to last category, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we have best hair. First contestant is Ivanova. Uh in particular, the um, Ivanova sex dance, where yes. she's, you know, flapping her hair around. Yes. A scene uh, that I spent upwards of a half an hour transcribing <laughs> for a GIF today. It was a very good GIF, Jude. Thank you. Yeah, I feel good about it. Uh, I, had, I, had, I, I enjoyed doing it. I just wanted to point out that I spent a lot of time watching that, that scene today. Um, we have Marcus for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. 
we have Delen with a caveat that this is Delen only when her hair is up in curlers. What about when it's down through the bone? God fucking damn it, <laughs> Shut up. Shut your face hole. <laughs> that doesn't exist. Lazy costuming. Uh, and last one. Yeah, uh, that, that one Centauri courtier from The Rock cried out, like the guy who both Rifa and Malari are trying to impress, who just has that mm. like really tall hair, but it's also like thick. Yeah. It's like if you took it's like if if you took a Pantene commercial and you put an entire bottle of wood glue in it. <laughs> yeah. The guy that looks like he, he has to uh walk he has to pay attention to the wind direction when he walks down the street. Yeah, it's it's just solid. Yeah. And he's got some, uh, some real, like, good pompadour ap- action in front, too. Yeah, no, it's impressive. Okay, I mean, we know the an- we know what the actual answer to this is. Um, for the sake of, uh, I mean, no, I'm not even going to try. It's it's Marcus. Um, I could, pre- I, I was he going has- to try to make an argument that it was that one Centauri courtier, but no, it's Marcus. I, I'm honestly, like, I hate the fact that, like, as a society, we have moved away from having, like, shampoo commercial level... Uh, hair in our leading heroes like Daniel Jackson in early SG1 oh, yeah. just has magnificent flow I, I, I think it's a failure of us as a society that like Chris Hemsworth like was working to re- rectify but then it was found that he's actually looks better with short hair Um, yeah and speaking of Stargate Sam Carter also had real real solid hair yeah um yeah, she, th- th- there's a lot of good hair going on in that show, and but yeah, I've got to go with Marcus here. Just I, I have to, I have to commit to the bit and to truth. Yeah. <laughs> well, the the Rangers would be happy to hear that. <laughs> What's Zathras's final ruling? We don't need a. We. I, uh, it seems like the the uh, this is a panel decision. Yeah. Is it though? <laughs> the Academy has ruled. <laughs> All right. Um, hold on. Where, where, where's, the, where's the glass here? We've got our last category here, but I got a drink for oh, it. Oh, no. All right. So this is the best influence on the show that JMS refuses to admit. Bottoms up. <laughs> All right. First, we have Dragon Riders of Pern. And we're just adding this now because what the fuck? <laughs> I remember nothing about Dragon Riders of Pern other than that I read it way too early to learn that the dragons fuck. Yeah, they do. Oh, I, I read that at basically exactly the right time, which was like 14. There is I read it at so like much, eight. There is so much pipeline in those books. It's bananas. Yeah. No, uh, I, I am all about trying. I'm all about exploring this topic further uh, because I... I am an un, unashamed Anne McCaffrey stan. I think all of her stuff is fucking weird and and terrific. Uh, so I am all about exploring this more. So are you aware of the weird cinematic universe divergence that, or like the weird alternate reality divergence point that was involved with the Dragon Riders of Pern? Yeah, around 2000, there was a uh, Dragon Riders of Pern television show that was being developed. I did know that, yes. And it was being worked on by uh, Star Trek DS9 producer Ronald Moore. Yep. Um, and it was for NBC, and he was presently, and he was working on it. And they got back, like, the first round of scripts. And the notes from NBC were that they wanted it to be more like Buffy. 
uh, and less like dragons fucking. Yeah, and so Ron more more goes back and forth with NBC and just decides we're in pre-production. We haven't casted anybody. Fuck it. He, he just ditched it, and then went on to make Battlestar Galactica. Wow! <laughs> Can you imagine? Can you imagine the alternate universe we would be in if instead of Battlestar Galactica getting revived, and I, I, I would say possibly changing how like being a major force of change in television. Yeah, we had Dragon Riders of Purd instead, and in particular Holy Battlestar Galactica, shit. like bringing sci-fi into much more mainstream. Yeah, and instead we got fucky dragons. So <laughs> the the major follow-up there would be, I think, that Game of Thrones would have con- been considered uh, too dark and derivative. Oh, <laughs> 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 that's, that, that uh, that's so good. That's better than the whiskey I just had there. Um, anyways. <laughs> Don't at me. Oh, that's terrific. Yeah. Our second choice for this category... Is Lord of the Rings. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, JMS's insistence that he accidentally <laughs> named Zaha Doom and had no intention of it being a reference to Kaza Doom or that the Rangers was just, you know, Rangers and blah, 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 blah. Also, also Justin has now seen that uh, Sheridan the Grey uh, died and was reborn as Sheridan the White. Yeah. But a dude named Lorien. <laughs> yeah. Fucking Lorien. Lorien. Yeah. God. JMS is so full of horseshit on this one. Um, I don't know what he, I don't know why he's insisting. Like, and it's not like there's a whole lot of like thematic crossover either. It's just like, yes, just admit you read Lord of the Rings in high school and you thought it was fucking cool. We all did. Like, <laughs> it's okay to reference the names. We've all got one in our fucking draft folder on our computer. Like, we've all got some shitty Lord of the Rings references we're, we're a little embarrassed about. You just put yours on TV. And we're too yeah. lazy to change the name. It's okay. <laughs> I, I Listen, I can do it in my Pathfinder game. When you put it on UPN every week, you have to explain yourself. Well, yeah. I mean, UPN. Yeah. I mean, listen, listen. If if I do this in my Pathfinder game, everybody just knows that, like, 2012 Justin just had a crush on Evangeline Lilly. <laughs> it's like, but no, when you repeatedly do this, yeah. buddy, you've got problems. Uh... The final nominee? Uh, Star Trek, because everything he does is motivated by his hate of it and his attempting to ape it or subvert it. Um, and he just constantly is a little bitch about it. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine? Let's speaking of alternate timelines, let's think about what's the alt what does Babylon 5 look like if Paramount had picked it up and he did not have the ca- the case of a case of the world's biggest, sourest grapes about DS9 motivating him to be a salty bitch the whole run of the show. Do you know what or I think Or contractually happens? obliged to not dunk on... Uh... Yeah. You know what I think happens? I think the show is canceled after one season. Yeah, that's what I was yeah. going to say. I think his hate drove him. I think he's like... a goddamn Sith. And I think that... I th- I think his hate his hate powered him through all five seasons. I I legitimately think that like yeah he like I I think legitimately if he doesn't have that like if he doesn't have like this weird like grr DS nine thing I I legitimately think that it can't it gets canceled after one season because it's not really interesting. 
Um, and I think I think UPN keeps it around because, or UPN keeps P five around at least a little bit because they have something. It's like, oh hey, we've got a we've got a sci fi thing we can compete with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If there's like if if DS nine doesn't get created, I I like I think it'd be interesting to see what takes its place. Yeah, be wild if it turns into it doesn't get can. We'd be weird if it like doesn't get canceled so much as like he he never like gets traction on it. Because he doesn't have that, like, burn in his belly to, like, prove everybody wrong. And it ends up turning into, like, it's all season one. He Mm. does, like, two or three seasons of season one B5 quality Babylon 5. Yeah, he doesn't shove the other people out of the writing room. Yeah. Yeah. Shoving other people out of the writing room was a bad idea. And it was also, like, it centered the show. But also at the cost of, like, there are just some bad stuff that comes from it. Mm. At, at the cost of like, you can tell that it's by by the end of the season, you can feel the burnout. I think that yeah, if we don't have, I mean, if DS Nine doesn't exist, if Star Trek, if Star Trek doesn't exist, and like we we've said on this show, we don't want to litigate that. We're not lawyers, and uh, but um, I think that if it's not there, he does not have. If this gets canceled after one season, yeah, it just doesn't pick up. Uh, yeah, I think what, regardless of whether or not it happened the way he says it happened, he thinks it happened the way it, he it's he says it happened. Oh yes. And so if it if there's never any contention there, if you if Paramount picks it up and he, he just goes into production and there's no controversy there, I genuinely do think that like that that friction doesn't drive him. And I I don't know. I just think it's a very different show without that like constant need to prove himself i also wonder if the studio pressures would have been different from paramount than they were from upn like oh for sure that i'm wondering if paramount would have like specifically you know put a lot of pressure to kind of make it conform to the roddenberry verse Hmm. more in terms of like politics and themes and stuff like that um, and be like, well, this, no, that's, that's not really how we want to portray Earth. Like, you know, this is a very grim view of the future, JMS. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, the studio suits uh, at UPN were too busy putting out f- actual fires. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it would, de- it would have had a bigger budget. And I don't know whether that's for good or, bad or, for good well, or and, worse. And yeah. that's one of the things that's interesting, because, you know, that the show was, um, I mean, it wasn't shoestring budget, obviously, but... It did some really revolutionary things, like the fact that it was all CGI at, you know, that was groundbreaking. That doesn't mean that it's mm-hmm. held up, but it really paved the way for other things to do CGI to that degree. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that, that you know, at that time, everything else was using practical effects with maybe CGI here and there. So, Zathras. <laughs> well, Zathras has the ceremonial Baja Blast trophy. For best influence on the show, JMS refuses to admit. And it's pretty clear that it's um, our friends over in Roddenberry land. Yep. Excellent. All right. Um, Star Trek, you you have another award to add to your things. You can take it in place of the Hugo. (laughs) The Hugo that you wouldn't have been nominated for if JMS had not withdrawn that second episode. In the first season. God, that's so fucking funny. <laughs> I, I, I'm so glad to be written. I'm so looking, 
I'm so looking forward to be like rid of this man's opinions what in about my the, life. <laughs> uh, Zathras, has it been brought to us by Baja Blast flavored Zima? Absolutely. Baja Blast flavored Zima. Uh, Baja Blast flavored lube. <laughs> Doritos 3D. Taste the crunch in three dimensions. <laughs> that that purple ketchup. Yep. Uh, orbits. Nutrigrain bars. <laughs> Fuck you. Um, a s- loose trail mix. Yep. And Ziploc bags full of uh, yogurt covered raisins. <laughs> Excellent. Everybody, um, we've done three seasons now. This is great. We want to thank you for sticking with us through this. Um, please, we don't have guns to your head. You can stop listening at any time you want. Really. Uh, but yeah, this is going to wrap up our first three seasons. Uh, Listener questions are for chumps now. We've realized that. Especially uh, considering how much far forward we record. Um, but yeah, we're going to start our season four coverage. We're going to start recording that in like July. Zathras is going to come back from vacation with uh, some new horrors. We're, we're, we're going to figure out some new ways to torture Zathras. Uh, but until next time, be seeing you. The Babylon Project is an independent production. All views expressed on the show are our own. Clips from the original show remain property of the original owner. Music information can be found in the show notes. The rest of the show is licensed under a Creative Commons 4.0 share-alike no derivatives license. That was that, that was a mistake. <laughs>